we're going to get started today. And uh, Steve Grumbine is joining us to come on here and, and uh, grumble with Grumbine a little bit. And uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about how the squad is still defending Joe Biden. Primilla Jayapal is out there. Um, licking his boots still and and you know they're they're still uh cheering him on as if he's one of the greatest presidents in history so <laughs> um in at the foothills of the jobs report being announced as well as the state of the union address tonight we'll also be giving a cop city update um a brief cop city update because we will be doing a um, larger segment on that later in the week um and informing you guys about what's coming up as well as having a stud stack article coming out we'll also be covering um Biden's economy because a new jobs report has dropped. And of course, the media is celebrating. Um, can't wait to hear all the stuff Steve has to say about that and uh, poking some holes in the uh, mythology around um, job creation that every single administration tells us, you know, we'll always hear a different report from MSNBC than Fox News, depending on who's sitting in the White House about how great the economy is and how many jobs have been created and how wonderful everything is going. So it's good to see through the smoke and talk about, you know, uh, talk about the fires <laughs> instead of the uh, the smoke. So um, we'll also be... Uh, Oh, yep. And then uh, we'll also be having a guest uh, join us, uh, Bill Clinton. <laughs> Actually, Peter Hager from um, Generational Change will be joining us and uh, we'll be uh, breaking bread with him at the end of the show. And that's what we've got going on today. So, uh, Steve, did we want to uh, move on to the first topic, I guess? Let's go and ahead and kick the squad where they belong. Let's go ahead and take that on. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do it. Um, so, yeah, we. Uh, the thing is, is the squad promised us. I know because I work for them. I work for brand new Congress. You know, I started out at Justice Democrats and then worked for brand new Congress for four years, helping to get these people elected. They promised us, you know, AOC, Cory Bush, um, Primilla Jayapal was <laughs> for some reason, and Rokana were um, justice Democrats. All these people promised to hold their party to account, and they were um, boisterous about the presidency while Trump was in office. And now it is crickets, but it's not just crickets. The worst part is that they are not holding him accountable to what is going on um, with our economy right now, and and being a corporate shill and racist police policies and, and everything else on the docket that we've seen his horrible immigration policies. It's been crickets from them or it's been praising him, which is even worse. So they're just playing party politics instead of doing what they promised, which is holding their own a party, their own party accountable, supposedly. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll go ahead and hop into it so that we can, uh, we can react to it. Um, if you want to pull up what uh, I know Jordan cued some of this stuff for us. So uh, if you want to if you want to go ahead and pull that up for us, Colin. I believe it is a tweet. I should have my glasses on. Let's see. <laughs> um, from, this is from oh, this is from Rokana. And, you know, Rokana has been moving more and more toward moderate positions. Um, 
Some people have been, you know, claiming maybe Rose looking and eyeing the presidency. Oh, we lost it, Colin. There we go. Um, we'll take a look at what he has to say. We'll read uh, Julian Castro's um, tweet first. He says it's the general consensus that Dems are content with Biden in a Trump rematch, but this poll undermines Biden's central argument for renominations. Two years is forever, and it's just one poll. But if he's faring this poorly after a string of wins, that could be worrisome. Now, let's talk a little bit about what Castro was talking about here. There was a poll that was released that showed um, a large percentage of... Uh, did you have the link for the AP poll? I think it's under the State of the Union address stream, uh, Colin. I don't know if you had it ready or not. That's okay. I can I can actually just go over the numbers. Um, it was an Associated Press poll, and it showed that um, 37% support Biden running. 62% do not support Biden running of Democrats. So 62% of Democrats do not support Biden running. Independents, 80 8% of independents do not support Biden running. And if I can remind people, most Americans today identify as independent. It's anywhere from 50 to 70% are what polls are showing us over and over again. Whether they're even some of the ones, many of the ones that are registered Democrat or Republican still identify as independent. Um, so when you've got 88% of the bulk of the majority, which are independent, saying that this guy shouldn't run, Let's take a look again at um, Rokana's response to Castro when Castro is signing some alarm bells that maybe something needs to change, oddly enough. Um, Rokana says, come on, Julian Castro. Biden has made some of the most transformative investments in the working class in climate and in American jobs in the past 50 years. Democrats need to be unified in selling what we have delivered <laughs> and standing with Biden for 2024. Sowing doubt doesn't help. So I would love to kick the ball over to you, Grumbine, and uh, hear what you've <laughs> got to say about those uh, those lovely words from Rokana about how we need to, you know, just look past any discretions and be unified um, behind Biden for a 2024 run. We, we've got a problem at every level in this country of hero worship and of partisan kind of I side with in regardless of facts. It doesn't matter. I like this person, so I support them. And it's 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 a cancer to, to progress. And, and we saw that in my my grumble this past weekend. Some of the comments, it's like, did you hear any of the information? Anyway, as you look at this, it, it's been quite clear. Number one, Biden came in crapping on a green new deal. Biden came in crapping on a job guarantee, came in crapping on Medicare for all. He came in crapping on the entire progressive agenda when they had the unity committee going together to build the platform prior to Biden actually taking office. You had all of Bernie's people in there, Sarah Nelson, Stephanie Kelton, uh, Derek Hamilton, many others trying to work with Biden's people and Biden's people shot down literally every single thing that was put on the table, everything. 
Okay. Then Biden says, Hey, why don't I come up with some Tulsi Gabbard esque like uh wish versus actual uh kind of uh policy and I'll build back better. So he comes with a super duper 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 watered down fake green new deal. That's missing all the important things like Medicare for all uh job guarantee, you name it, all the important stuff of bringing uh, fossil fuels way down way fast, real quick. Every possible thing about inequality, about student debt, you name it. He literally didn't do any of those things. And then, as if that's not bad enough, then they got handled by Manchin. President Manchin took his build back better down to let's see if we can build a, an anthill. And then when they finally passed the most watered down bill, humanly possible, so bad a bill that even Manchin signed on. Okay. When you got Manchin signing on, you already know it's the kiss of death. And so their idea of this is like chips. They got the chip manufacturers coming in to do the semiconductors. These are all important things that came out of the pandemic. You've got a few other things, for example, uh, with green energy for the the, the uh, battery powered electric vehicles and stuff like that, that I don't even think any of the regular people watching this show probably will ever be able to take advantage of because it is really bourgeois bullshit for rich people. And ultimately everything that he's done has been about bragging about deficit reduction. Okay. They are out there tonight. They will on the state of the union. They will brag up nearly $2 trillion in deficit reduction. Sadly, there are people maybe even in this audience that will celebrate right along with him as he tells you how he took money out of the American people's pockets and ran it through the paper shredder, the delete button when they got rid of all those that money from the economy. So their deficit reduction screwed us up. And then you're wondering, wait a minute, hold on. Aren't we supposed to be in a recession? And you look at the numbers and it's like, no, we're not in a recession. How could we not be in a recession? The reason we're not in a recession is because the Fed went ahead and hiked interest rates up. And for those of you who understand, interest rates are brand new net money infusions into the economy. But instead of at the low level, they're at the high level where all the rich people are. So you could literally look at that and say, God damn, I thought Ronald Reagan was dead. But no, Ronald Reagan is alive and well currently spending buku bucks on military industrial complex as we ready ourselves up to a proxy war for Ukraine. I mean, on and on and on. So Biden and Jordan and I talked about this two state of the unions ago. We talked about last state of the union, and we'll talk about it hopefully in the coming days for this state of the union. They have been demonizing China forever for the longest time. Why? Because they know our economy sucks. They know our economy is on sh in shambles right now. And the idea is, is that China and the rest of the world have been making our imports for us because we don't produce shit in this country. And as a result of us not producing stuff, we realized, oh my God, they're tired of being our neo-feudal colonies and they're tired of doing our low-level workforce and tired of all their resources being extracted. So they're starting to work together and cut us off. It's not the death of the dollar. Sorry, folks. It's really the death of the unipolar world where we've got a new bipolar. So all of this is playing into this jobs report, which is bullshit. All this is playing into this rosy picture of the economy, which is bullshit, because reality is, is that we're trying to force another Cold War 
It doesn't matter what any of the other little, this person blew up that person. This bomb went off here. This guy is a bad guy. He's posing for GQ. I don't give a shit about any of that. I'm telling you the real end game here is that we've allowed our entire infrastructure, entire manufacturing base to go to seed and they know it and they're scared. And the only way to fix that is to put the guys that are kicking our ass, which is China, Okay, and put them off in the pasture so that we can take care of rebuilding our infrastructure. That's why that chips uh, bill went through. So a lot of what they're bragging about is really fear. Go ahead. I can't hear you. Muted. Sorry, I, I am not this technically uh, <laughs> problematic most of the time. I apologize. Um, but. One of the <laughs> most people put those on so you. they can block me out, not hear me better. <laughs> so my daughter does. She puts them in to block me now. out. Okay. Let's you see got if you it? get it better now. <laughs> I hear you. I said my daughter usually puts those in to block me out, not hear me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a teenager, so. <laughs> well, but, you know, there. look at the things that Primilla Jayapal economically and, and to do with, with, like, economic solutions to climate change and, uh, and AOC and others have been focusing on that I've been watching them tweet out about this debate about gas stoves. <laughs> so that's one area. And then you have the Republicans saying that they're trying to force us to eat bugs. So those are the two dichotomies of the, the discussion about climate change right now. And one of the reason is, and I call it hyper-individualistic Ayn Rand environmentalism. And what it is- libertarianism. Yep, lol I can't even say it. <laughs> That's accurate. And they say, you know, use the metal straws, buy an electric car, even though none of us can really afford that, but most of us can't. Um, uh, recycle, which it's great. Do those things. But the vast majority of pollution, the vast majority of exploitation, the vast majority of um, what is impacting our climate and our environment and polluting it and exploiting us all comes from corporate manufacturing, not having any kind of regulation and oversight and being able to skirt any kind of responsibility, ravaging the global south. Um, even, you know, ravaging us right here. And so when you have that happening and you focus on the hyper individualistic, then that allows the presidency and Congress and corporations to account skirt accountability and place that accountability in our lap, in our laps. Rokana, by saying, <clears throat> excuse me, I do have a cold, by saying that, you know, he is a uh, keep your eye on the ball and, and don't sow division. We can't hold anyone accountable because, oh my God, we're, you know, he's not favorable. No, if he's not favorable, do some shit, get out there and pass yeah. Medicare for all tomorrow, which the majority of the country supports pass that. Where's yeah. our thousand dollar checks, baby. We're still waiting on those. Where's our actual job development, which we'll get into in just a little bit. If you want to be favorable, if you want to grow favorability, you got two years to do something. Yeah. I'm not you know, voting for Biden will ever do anything. I'm not saying to vote for the Democratic Party because I don't support them. And, you know, I'm an independent third party person. But I'm saying the logic that the Dems feed us 
is ignore it. You know, don't don't say anything. Don't sow division. And this guy. What do you want, Trump? Caucus, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I met Ro Khanna years ago at a Medicare for all rally um, in uh, Washington, D.C. It was back in like 2016. I think it was 2016. And um, when I met him, it was right after Bernie had abdicated and it was a springtime so you figure we had already had a period of time where bernie is kind of out of the spotlight a little bit and when i met him I, he struck a very very stately stance i mean i was kind of like okay how you doing he's tall he's a very tall guy and so when you look at him he gives you this i'm i'm a statesman the statey statesman nice guy affable can speak he actually understood Modern monetary theory. We talked offline. He understood it. Okay. He's talked to several people. He understood. He understands what Kelton and Bernie Sanders were trying to do prior to. Okay. And then he sat there and said, but I can't say any of that. So he has always been a bit of a fraud to me. I don't mean to be mean. I'm just telling it straight as it is. And, and I asked him, I said, why would you say, he says, well, we can't just print all this money. Once he said that anybody that says we've got to print money, first of all, I ignore everything they say after that. Once they use the word print money there, I don't even listen anymore. Everything they have to say after that is like noise. But then he was like, just printing all this money. That's the same thing that people that lie and, and don't understand MMT say. So I immediately at that moment said, wait a minute, what the hell? This guy ain't right. Because I have been given word that, hey, this is an up-and-comer. We've been greasing the skids. We've been priming the pump. We got him to understand MMT. So I thought, and, and Stephanie Kelton had even elevated Brokana, saying, this guy gets it even more than AOC does, right? Which now you see is, uh, yeah, well, of course. I mean, that's not hard. Well, he to get was gaslighting right? by retweeting Fidel Kaboob and people like uh, that, yes. you know. Yeah. Yes. And so, anyway, flash forward now. And this has been a steady erosion. But I'm I'm what I'm trying to put into the out, you know, put into the world, if you will, is that these people come into office with a certain vision of what they think it will be. They get into office and they see how the world is around them and they get sucked into whatever that world is. Rokana right. was always the rep from Silicon Valley, and don't you ever forget it. He always repped the, the Silicon billionaires. That's his constituency. The average programmer out there is making a couple hundred thousand a year. I, we're not talking about people that know what it's like to really be poor. And there are poor people out there for sure. Lots of homeless, lots of people without basic needs being met. But Ro Khanna represents, next to McLean, Virginia, he represents the most wealthy part of the country, right down the street from Nancy Peluser. So I think it's important to recognize <laughs> who he is, right? And then you take it to the next level and Jamila, uh, uh, whatever the fuck her name is, excuse my French, Jamila, she has always been a complete disappointment. That whole gang has been just a complete disappointment. Yeah, Primella Diapol does, I don't know why she keeps getting into office because people have been angry with her for a long time. And yep. um she started out progressive Medicare for all green new deal, you know, supposed to justice Democrats. Um, and yeah, no, nothing. One of the tells for me is that these people refuse to endorse a bunch of my candidates. They refuse to endorse Iba Petsova and she was running against Tom Halloran. They refuse to endorse, um, 
Paula Jean Swearingen when she was running for Senate. So like the, the truly, they didn't, you know, they, didn't, uh, Lauren Ashcraft, they refused to endorse Lauren Ashcraft. So when it came to like truly progressive insurgent candidates, nah, you know, left candidates who, you know, were part of the DSA or supported socialism, nah. ones that supported Medicare for all. Nah. And then you look and you see that they're giving money, you know, just like AOC did to these candidates. And what is so crazy is that when Paula Jean ran against uh, Paula, called him out for it. And there was that's one of the reasons for the pack split between BNC, but brand new Congress and Justice Democrats is because a lot of the brand new candidate Congress candidates got upset because Rokana was endorsing their incumbents that they were challenging like Danny Davis he endorsed Joe Manchin and went down and had a photo op with him and then he tried to do a double take and said I endorse both of them I'm not believe him who he is believe him for who he is let his let his actions not his words but his actions guide your impression I'm sorry Ro I know you come on the show and I'm sure that's welcome but I'm telling you right now yeah come on I'm here I'm here for the people the people the people, my my people I see that are suffering, and I say, who is fighting for us? And I look up there and I see them placating and bobbing and weaving to tear themselves into pretzels, turn themselves into pretzels to support Joe Biden. And and it's a show, it's a sham. And you know, unfortunately, this is what leads most people's understanding of the world around them. Us people that are digging in and talking and research and stuff, we are the true 1%. There, there is so few people that actually dig past that. And unfortunately they could say whatever they want. And there's a large group of people that will say, Oh yeah, that well, Rose said, or Jamila said, or Bernie said, or so-and-so said, or AOC said, and, and it's like, they cannot think for themselves. They have no political analysis. And that's what this country has done to us. We have been dumbed down to the point of ridiculous. The movie Idiocracy is like so on point. It's such a like a real snapshot of what well, we're Well, the president for. in Idiocracy was smarter than our representatives <laughs> we have now. And I'm going to tell you why. Yes. I'm going to tell you why. Because they brought on the smartest man in the world to help them solve their problems. Yep, they actually absolutely. cared that the people were starving and didn't have water and didn't have food. Yep. Our we, representatives we, don't give a shit. They actually a, cared. So they're smarter in the movie Idiocracy <laughs> than um than our representatives are right now. Or I wouldn't say smarter. They cared more. They had empathy. That's Tyler, something that, hold on. Uh, that we don't that, that our representatives lack completely. Yeah, p- pull up Tyler Hackner's uh um comment here. Didn't even support Nina. Think about that. Didn't even support Nina, right? I mean, like, like, I, you know, I have my own take on people when they're in the party because it's not a, you're not voting for an individual when you're voting for the party because the party has a platform. The party has rules. It has nothing to do with the person getting elected. It's got rules. It's got bylaws. It's got positions. It's got committees. It's got tons and tons and tons of democratic corporate rules because they are a corporation. And so when you look at this stuff and you think, hey, they're free to do whatever they want. Are they really? What happens when they cut off the funding for their candidacy? What happens when they do that? So they've got them by the short hairs. And so when you look at these people and you see that they don't even support someone like Nina Turner. And again, Nina Turner is not everything I want her to be. I mean, I, you know, I've followed her for years. I love her. She's better than most. She isn't everything I want her to be. But she is way better 
than the rest of them. And they sat there, all of them, to a fault, left her sit there and fall face first on the ground against a shit lib, a real honest to God, trashy centrist establishment person. That <laughs> I can say that story for 60 of my candidates, you know, that I helped 60 of the candidates that I helped insurgent. Um, some of them, uh, you know, some of them were races that were, you know, Senate. Some of them were, were for the house. Um, Anthony Clark, Left him out in the dry because, oh, my God, you don't challenge Danny Davis. Corey Bush. They left Corey Bush out in the dry. Um, so many of these insurgent candidates, they mm -mm. once once people get in office, AOC was even timid. AOC gave thousands and thousands of dollars to incumbents, Democratic Party incumbents, most of them centrist. And her argument was, well, you know, a Republican might take their seat. So you're going to give money when they have Democratic challengers against them in places like, you know, um, in places like Tom Swazi's seat where he had an incumbent challenger um, running against him. She gave Tom, she gave him money. She gave Tom O'Halloran money when <laughs> Eva Pitsova was running against him and Eva was on the verge of winning. Think about this for just a second. We have no evidence whatsoever in my lifetime. Now, I don't, you, you, I guarantee you, you're way younger than me. Thank goodness you got a lot more life to live. I'm 53 years old. In my 53 years, I have not seen our Congress serve us ever, ever, not, not ever. I've heard a lot of lip service, but there's always a parliamentarian waiting to happen. There's always somebody in the woodworks coming out of the shed, coming out behind the wood pile that's ready to deep six anything progressive, whether it be in the election cycle or whether it be in legislation. So I'm not expecting anything from them. No. But I recognize the average person is still. They haven't quite got to the point where they see through the, the veneer. They haven't seen past the, you know, the facade of legitimacy and gotten to the root cause, which is these people are there representing their handlers above the donors class, the billionaires that they serve, not us, period. And even when you have some rogue renegade that says they're going to stand up for you, they're in such a minority position and they are not put on any committees. They don't have any say so in what legislation goes Absolutely. forward. They have nothing, nothing. I mean, I, there's an old rep named Miller down in uh, from North Carolina. And I sat there at an Economist for Peace uh conference uh in washington dc like k street area for uh this i think it was like 2017 2018 and when they asked him about what a trump economy might look like and what these uh reps would do to to live life as a, a democrat in the the era of trump he said these folks don't have any ideological framework they don't have any kind of hard felt beliefs. They've got handlers chasing them from room to room as they go from meeting A to meeting B, handing them little pieces of index cards to give them their talking points. Or here's the brief on that document you're going to be talking about. Here's the, and it's like a little teeny card and they're running around. They could be swayed and say they have no core beliefs other than what the party tells them. So if the party gives them a, a piece of paper that says, say these three things, that's what they say. That's what they do. And so, for me to get riled up about this stuff at this point, it's like I'd have to be 
four years ago where I still hadn't quite pulled the veneer off or five years or 10, you know, when Bernie ran, I still had some sort of momentary lapse of reason where I believed I allowed myself to believe a little bit less in part two, but very much in part one. I think we're at a point now where you've seen the deal. You've seen the output. You've tasted the fruit and the fruit is rotten. Stop trying to expect it to suddenly become a fruit basket. It's a freaking one of those re the, the trash where you the compost heap full of rotten to, vegetables and tomatoes and dog shit. Yeah. It's not what we think it is. And it's, 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 it's the place where dreams go to die and expecting them, the very people to somehow or another pass the legislation required for campaign finance reform. It's comical. It's not going to happen. That leaves it up to us out here. I'm not going to say what that means because I have my beliefs, but folks, I, I don't see how you're going to sit there and turn this rotten fruit and vegetable into a fruit basket. It's it's done. It's, it's past it's born on date. It's past it's used by date. It's trash. It's rotten. Can I tell you a secret, Steve? Sure. For a lot of these candidates, people think if you get money out of politics and we should, we should still be fighting to get money out of politics, but they think if we get money out of politics, it's going to solve this problem. But one thing that I have seen and I've learned, even within left, circ left circles, within, you know, people that aren't even, it's sometimes it's about the clout. Mm -hmm. It's about the connections. You know, the organizations that I worked at that were supposed to hold these candidates accountable through their endorsements, once those candidates became representatives, those organizations were like, now we know a congressperson. We can't do anything to piss them off because they won't come on our shows or maybe we can't fundraise off them through our organization anymore. Um, candidates are the same way. It's like high school up there on the hill. They become friends with people. This person bought me a nice fruit basket. You know, I so-and-so is my friend. I go to the gym with them. And it's so crazy, but it's true. That it's not just the money. Some of it is just being reelected so that they could be up there and they could be giving yeah. the speeches and they can be tweeting out and all these people love them. And some of it is just sheer full on narcissism. Absolutely. And I, I saw candidates who ran. They were really amazing ones. But I saw some of them make that transition during their elections where it was like it went from being focused on the people to being focused on their own image right mm -hmm. and i i watched good pundits good journalists start out and it started out focused on the issues and then all of a sudden it's focused on their ego and the numbers and likes and clicks so it is partially the money but one of the big pressure points that they put on these people is that has to do with their egos and that's really hard for us to combat so that's yeah. why i believe that we have to look at other things like it's not as easy at the state and local levels so get a lot more done there and don't have as many pressure points and federal yeah we still need to be fighting for things federally like medicare for all and other stuff of course but we also need we can't ignore local races and local elections. And so Rokan is already telling us, look at the presidency in 2024. Don't say anything about Biden. You know, stay focused over here when local elections are going to be happening in 2023. Why don't he tweet out about that? Where's his support? 
you know, to grow a grassroots movement. There is none. These people are focused and they want us focused on federal. They want us to vote blue no matter who or Republican no matter who, because that happens too. None of us want, none of them want us to hold accountabilities for their two parties, which are basically the same at the end of the day. It's one big corporate party. And that's what we got. And they pull the strings of arrogance. They pull the strings of narcissism a lot of times. They don't even have to dip into pocketbooks. It's sad you know, because a lot of these people that are flipping, they're literally non-corporate candidates, non-corporate yeah. candidates who won you know, and got up there without any corporate money, um, without direct ties to the party. And the party swooped in and took them in right away and they allowed it yep. to happen. Yep. I mean, Wall Street runs this country, period. It absolutely runs this country through and through. I just interviewed uh, a scholar um, named Julia Ott, Dr. Julia Ott. She's from the New School in New York City. And she wrote, uh, she actually, you could probably find it on INET if you go out there and check YouTube after this, after this, of course. You go out there and check on INET and check out Julia Ott and the myth of venture capitalism. And uh, next week, we'll put that out on Macaron Cheese. But she went through the process of explaining how the concept, the very concept of venture capitalism, venture capitalists is a myth. It, 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 the myth is a, a way of entrenching white wealth, the rich staying rich and making sure that at all times the rich stay rich. And this, this has been going on since the 1920s, 1930s. And, and it's, it's incredibly important to see that a lot of the things back in the, I think, Richard Nixon's probably the last real liberal president, if you will, that we've had Richard Nixon, the Republican, right? The last liberal that we've sort of even had everyone since then has literally been neoliberal. And the, the playbook is got nothing to do with you and I, it's got everything to do with ensuring that wealth stays wealthy and wealth stays white. And I want to be clear that all this facade of representatives doing these things and making us feel like we're really participating in stuff on the national level is really a shit show to protect white wealth, old white wealth. And I, I hope that we start seeing the world through that lens and start envisioning the way that we in, interact with politicians and interact with our news cycle with that analysis, with that analytical framework that shows us that the working class is getting screwed because it's all about making sure that capital wins. So anyway, where are we going on now? What, what's the next subject? Okay. I think that, um, Oh, Jordan sent us a reminder, but it was a little while back and I lost it about um, the Primella Jayapal clip on uh, CNN. So I feel like we've covered everything with her, but if we just want to pop up the clip so that we can Throw hear her in her Give own words time. to close this out and then we can go to the Cop City update. Yep. What does he have to do tonight to potentially convince those uh, six out of ten? Well, Victor, it's great to be with you. I think people just need to hear from the president. They need to hear him brag about the tremendous accomplishments and the fact that he has, under just this last two years, created almost 11 million new jobs, brought unemployment down in this country uh, to the lowest level in over half a century. We're building things in America again. Now, some of these things haven't happened across the country yet because legislation takes a while to actually show up in districts. But 
you know, I do know that seniors across the country are already feeling the effects of having $35 cap on insulin. These are all the things that I think the president will talk about tonight, and he will make sure that people understand this is a new era where this Democratic Party, this president, care about working people, not about the wealthiest, uh, you know, corporations and, and individuals that got big tax breaks under Donald Trump, but actually about working people raising taxes on the wealthiest in order to fund things that really make life better for people every so day. So we understand that some of the plans that have been signed into law, that people are not feeling the effects of those yet. But let me give you one more number. 41% of the people in this poll said that they're actually financially worse off than they were at the start of this administration. This is the highest number in the 37-year history of this poll, higher than at the worst point of the Great Recession. So this is not so much a messaging problem. People... Uh, are feeling worse financially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's true that we are coming out of one of the worst economic crises of uh, in the history of this country. COVID combined with the economic crisis, that was a tremendous amount of uh, pain that people went through under the last administration, under the last president. This president is the president that actually got shots in arms, that kept small businesses going. I don't expect uh, that people will feel like everything is great because the reality is we've got a lot more work to do. And Victor, I think you're going to hear the president tonight talk about the biggest inflationary costs that families are facing, things like child care and housing. Those are the things that are still to do in the president's agenda that he laid out that we got very close to accomplishing last session, but that we are going to get done once we have majorities again. So I think you'll hear, of course, what we've done, but absolutely recognizing that Americans are still feeling pain and that this president is going to use executive action, things like raising the overtime threshold to give workers, 30 million workers across the country. Then why hasn't he done it yet? If he can pain. do this by executive action, why wait and do it later instead of having already done the first half? Well, I think he's already done a lot by executive action. As you know, he raised, uh, you know, federal contractors. <laughs> Raising the overtime threshold. So work longer, guys. You know, just work your life away. Work 80 hours a week. That's our answer. Not going to raise minimum wage. Going to raise the overtime threshold so that you can work double. We'll make sure you get paid, you know, a little bit more for it. But, you know, to hell with the raising the minimum wage. We're going to, we're going to, you know, work you to your bones uh, 80 hours a week. And yeah, we'll make them pay you for it. But that's that's about the extent of what we're going to do. That's what stuck out to me. That's what I felt like that whole thing was just apologetics. Let me get one wrap up on this thing. I want to be very clear. Back in 2008 and 2009, many people that were of middle age and probably lower middle class, working class families suffered one of the greatest losses in their life. The, the great financial crisis crushed people, regular people. I don't know if you remember, hundreds of thousands of people a month were losing their jobs. I mean, I think there was one month where 900,000 people lost their jobs. It was insane. And people not only lost their jobs, but they lost their homes from complete control, fraud, you name it. So step by step by step, people are still dealing with 2008 and 2009. They're dealing with 2012. They're dealing with all the other uh, payments that go with the interest and, and all the penalties and everything else from not being able to make their bills. So they never got out of that problem. And then 
they go ahead. Many of those people had to rediscover who they were because their careers were over. They had to go back to school and take on debt for student debt. Now these very people, older people that literally got fucked by that complete nutter shit show under Obama. He, he could have literally killed that thing easily. He didn't even put a trillion dollars of stimulus in there to solve the great financial crisis. Not even a trade, 900 billion. And then the tea party came in and swept it all away and fucked that all up. Okay. So we have been on the slowest recovery that never really happened during the pandemic. The same people that were screwed from that we're screwed even more. And it was all completely unnecessary. I spoke with Pavlina Chernova, who is one of the greatest economists. She's out of Bard uh, College and the Levy Institute in New York. And what she said was we should have nationalized payroll, literally absorbed everyone's payroll, made sure everyone got the paycheck so no one was laid off, should have literally ensured through that process that businesses stayed whole. Who gives a shit? The idea is we don't want our country to go into a toilet. But they didn't do any of that. And then now people still suffering from 2008 and 9 are suddenly being punted back to work. They're being told, get your ass back to work. Well, guess what? We got more bubbles. We got more uh, shit show in the regular people's economy at the bottom. And they're wondering, $15 an hour minimum wage? Are you joking? How does that touch somebody that's got $100,000 worth of debt from failed businesses or failed lives or, or um, foreclosure, you name it, and all the other bills and stuff that came with their cars being repossessed and the families divorcing because of financial problems and the new child's work. It fucked everyone and they never recovered and then they hit them again and they still did shit and now they're going to celebrate it? That is the most bourgeois piece of shit lie I have ever heard in my life. And I hope people start waking up to the reason why economics are so goddamn important. And when people don't get them right, it's important to correct them. No matter whether you love them or not, you fucking correct every single person that gets the econ wrong. Every person gets corrected, no matter what. I don't care. There's no sacred anything. Everyone gets it right. We must fix this because otherwise they get away with this crap. That's how they get away with it because we don't understand. We don't want to hear the truth because we want to defend heroes. We fucking get it right and we only get it right. And if somebody we love gets it wrong, we change and we make them understand because we can't take anymore. We don't have time to keep screwing this up. Sorry for the rant, but I mean every word I just said. Well, um, good point. We got a drunk history, the economics, so that people, you know, uh, we don't have to get into into the weeds. It's a, it's it's simple. And I think that, that she helped to lay it out. We do have a guest here that is joining uh, the show as we move on to our uh, next segment. Uh, and we can go ahead and, and bring him in, Colin. I think we are joined by no other than Bill Clinton. Hey, Bill, how's it going on tonight? I just had to come on here and... Uh correct the record, if you will, because this guy up in the corner doesn't know a thing about economics. Let me uh, let me all introduce you all. Uh, great to see you, Zaina. I heard a lot of wonderful things about you from the team. And uh, it is very, very important that third way economics gets talked about on the regular. 
this guy doesn't know anything. He's just trying to convince you that the government actually works for the people and not the corporations, <laughs> but that's not the way it works here. What's very important to understand, and I just want to let everybody know that the president of the United States is giving his State of the Union tonight. Well, I make sure to prep him on that and let everybody know that the economy <laughs> is doing just fine. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We are doing really great. And you know how I know that? Because I'm doing great. My friends are doing great. And if everybody around me is doing great, how is it possible that everyone else is failing? It's just not true. Now, remember, are you build the bridge to a new tomorrow. <laughs> well, I've been building that bridge for the past 30, 40 years, and it's been working out just fine. I mean, look, I just came off the golf course. Everything's great. And uh, whatever you're doing in life, you must be failing at it. That's why you're not succeeding. And the same is true for everybody else. And so uh, for those that need to understand why I passed NAFTA and normal trade relations with China in the early 90s, and yes, we Democrats did it all on our own. What you have to remember is that it's all about expanding neoliberal expansion around the world. We value everyone having an opportunity to make very low wages. If one person is <laughs> doing it, why can't everybody do it? I mean, expand, expand that overtime, right? <laughs> expand the overtime, not the minimum wage. I mean, Bill, it sounds like Pramila Jayapal and you have been talking some on what works for the economy. Uh, we certainly have. And, you know, she's done a really great job of convincing the American people that she's a progressive. Uh, but <laughs> at the end of the day, she knows the score. She understands that we are a corporate Democratic Party. We have become a wealth special interest party. That is what we do. That is what we will always do. I know people thought they got close with Bernie getting to the presidency, but it was never really going to happen. I mean, let's be honest. We have fail safes in place to make sure it doesn't happen. Right now, the economy's doing great because Wall Street's doing great. Silicon Valley's doing great. And you better believe the military industrial complex is doing great. And you have me to thank for that. That's why I'm here. Uh, more <laughs> questions, please. Uh, I love my audience. You people are great. You so, thinking about uh, giving Rokana some sax lessons so that he can go on late night TV? <laughs> you know, the thing about Ro is uh, he can't really decide which side he wants to play for. On the one hand, he thinks he's progressive. On the other hand, his wife invests a lot of money in Wall Street. On the other hand, he thinks he may be running for something. On the other hand, he's waiting in line like a good boy. Uh, he has to make up his mind. He has to decide if he wants to be a go-getter or he's just going to get pushed over. So uh, as far as I can tell, he's going to walk that middle of the road like a true centrist that he really is. But what always happens to centrists? They get knocked over. I admit that I'm a conservative Democrat. That's still a thing. <laughs> well, at least you admit it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and it certainly served me well. And like many of you, you could be served well just the same. Just pretend like you're progressive, but deep down you're conservative. Always line up with the Chamber of Commerce, not the working people of this country. If you do that, <laughs> you might be able to convince enough numbskulls out there to vote for you if you run for city council, senate, commission, whatever you want to do. But remember, it's all about in the language. I was able to convince the American people that I really gave a shit about them. And they bought it. <laughs> they bought it for decades. And Just got to be likable, Bill. That's the secret. Thanks for showing. Thanks for showing yeah, the world that. <laughs> Is Hillary running? Is Hillary going to run against Biden in 2024? 
listen, I am not aware of where Hillary is, and I try my best, damn, to make sure I don't know where she is. <laughs> I claim plausible deniability. But one thing I want to teach the audience out there, this is very, very important, that when you are meeting people on the stump and you really want to impress them, this is very important, make sure that when you shake their hand, you shake it like this, and then you put another hand on top to signify just how much you have control over them. They will believe it, and they will feel it. And that's one of the tricks that I've learned over the years. It's worked really well. It could work for you, too. <laughs> well, thank so many, so many tips tonight. We really appreciate it, Bill. Was wondering if your friend Peter was around um, so he could tell us about what he's been up to lately. Uh, Peter's uh, been incapacitated for a while. Not sure if he's ever going to make it back again. <laughs> but he's a good boy. Uh, he might have been, how's the economy working for you steve like shit brother like yeah. absolute shit i mean but, seriously all, all jokes aside people are literally choosing between getting their teeth fixed getting their heart taken care of you know keeping a roof over their head uh and and, and their children's well-being i mean people are really hurting and and it's kind of a clown show that that we can't make that case that that case is not so obvious that people aren't literally done with it and ready to fight back. And, and I think we've been either lulled to sleep or, um, you know, we're just so depressed that we can't, that we can't take action. I, I can't figure out why there is not like real honest to God economic uh, protest like crazy right now. I think Makes people no have sense. just been beaten down. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I think people have just been beaten into submission and they are just, again, uh, the idea is to just break the will of working people. You know, when you see all of these attempts at unionization in various places, although I am still a very loud advocate for trying to unionize at Walmart, that's the biggest uh, enemy of labor as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, we don't see nearly enough of them breaking through. And we now have the lowest unionization in the, in the history of our country. It's at barely 10%. At a time when, you know, you were coming up in the world before Reaganomics took over, you know, we had anywhere from, you know, 35 to 40 percent of the workforce that identified in some form of uh, a labor union. So I, I can easily say that that is a significant inflection point right now. Uh, you don't really have an opportunity to negotiate for your terms. And that could be anything. It, it could be your job. It could be education. And all the while, we're getting distracted by pointless BS that we see on social media and independent media all day, every day. And all the while, my governor is now uh, attempting to formulate some type of a, I guess, a council to sue media for lying. I mean, you kind of knew that this was coming at some but point. I, I thought was that he was do. a free press hero is what some on the left were saying for a little bit about DeSantis, you know? Uh, yeah. Such a free speech hero. <laughs> we lived in a, if we lived in a world where we had honest media, which we do not have, no. uh, then we wouldn't be in a situation where a strong man, authoritarian slash leaning into fascism type of person could be looked upon as a savior, not a person to reject. People look at DeSantis as a savior. I tell you, the only fight that's going to happen in terms of uh, electoral politics over the next two years is going to be Trump or DeSantis. Which one's getting there? Because the Democratic Party is so, so unbelievably disastrous at this point. And I can only imagine what 
Hail to the chief is going to say tonight when he gets on national television. Every, gonna have a whole lot of anti-China, a whole lot of nonsense building on, up man, the military. Did you see what I did, I blew up that balloon. <laughs> well, you know the union. The union question is that a lot of the union membership, that ten percent that still exists, the bulk of it is legacy. So the bulk of it is legacy workers that were grandfathered in to their to their unions. When what's happened is there's been a tremendous amount of temp work, and Biden's not going to talk about this, but a huge part of the job market is temp labor. And what these temp agencies do, they're prominent in Florida, they're prominent here in Kentucky, um, they're prominent in Ohio, they come in. Um, and they allow these corporations to hire people in from outside of the unions as temporary workers. This temp organization takes 20, 40, sometimes 50 percent of the pay. So you might they might pay the company $30. Or they, you know, the company pays the temp agency $30 an hour. The worker only gets 10, 12, maybe 15 max. And the temp agency just makes all kinds of money off this person's labor. The companies benefit because they can avoid unionizing that individual and lay them off whenever the hell they want. And I am so curious. And one thing that's hard to find is how much of these hundred and supposed, you know, 165,000 jobs in the last, you know, three months, what percentage of those are temp positions considering that temp agencies are drastically on the rise in this country? And uh, that's one question I haven't heard from any damn Democrat. I haven't heard from mainstream media. And to be honest with you, I haven't heard any pundits talk about this crisis. And, you know, it, this is one of the things that's hampering us from being able to create unions and is extremely exploitative in labor. But we're not going to hear any of that tonight. Uh, we're going to hear celebrations. We're going to be look at the stock market. You know, it's up. Look at uh, look at look at how we're getting richer. It's all going to be about look at how we're getting richer. That means our country's doing great, you know, because we, we're secure in our million dollar homes. And you know what? I got a I got a 10 percent tax break because I bought a Tesla. Awesome. You know, we're, we're tackling climate change, too. And look, you know, we're the land of uh, safety because we're building a cop city institute. We're building it. Now media is calling it a training facility. I've noticed mainstream media switched the name. Uh, which we were, that's the next thing we'll be covering, but because uh, Tortuguita, an autopsy was done on Tortuguita, he was shot 13 times and may have been shot by multiple guns. Oh, they had to make sure he was dead. I mean, come on, if you're going to shoot to kill, you got to kill. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, you know, can't leave any witnesses. It's horrific. And, you know, we won't we won't hear anything about Biden about any of this. He'll be talking about how we need law, law and order and he'll be bragging about the dollars going into funding the police and, and keeping our streets safe. Are they going uh, to do an over under on standing ovations every time he stops talking? So that way he can collect himself for a minute. Not a drinking game. <laughs> All the ladies will be dressed in white in support, you know. <laughs> Like the suffragettes. Oh, man. We, to get, we just need to get past the theatrics of it all. You know, people find themselves getting way too caught up in, you know, what others are doing. And the fact is, if we just stay focused on the concrete issues, you know, when Bernie ran, he had a propensity to talk about a lot of different issues. But if you were to ask somebody, you know, what does Bernie Sanders stand for? Most people would probably, you know, go to Medicare for all, let's say. Or if, you know, when Andrew Yang ran, somebody would say UBI. The point is, 
when it comes to building a movement, you have to be very concrete in terms of what your goal is, because we get distracted by a thousand and one things that are going on all the time. And if we are very crystal clear about what the mission is, then I think it will be a lot easier to convince people to fight on the front lines of what we're trying to do. Uh, I like what Shama Sawant is attempting to do, uh, regardless of whether it's to formulate some type of a political party. I think the more important thing is the fact that there is an attempt to rally labor in this country, which is something that we've needed to do for decades, not you know yesterday. But at least it's being attempted, and I can only hope that whoever is going to be part of the steering committee, leadership council, if you will, that it's going to be in the, in, in the right hands. We saw what's happened with some of these other groups that have attempted to uh, you know, buck the trend, if you will, and in many cases they failed miserably or their intentions were completely un, uh, you know, un, disingenuous. So you know, right now we have to figure out you know, how do we get the most amount of people together that are fighting on the same front lines? And to me, labor is everything. That, that's where the fight, in my opinion, needs to happen. Say, I need to jump in real quick because my time is short and I'm going to have to get off of here momentarily. But I want to talk about the jobs real quick that we brought up there. Number one, you know, if you look at, they're going to brag about jobs tonight. They're going to put this out there because the latest report had some near 500,000 new jobs. And if you think about that, they've been talking about how we're near full employment. This is why we, we have to raise interest rates and do all this stuff because we've got to create unemployment. Because if we don't create unemployment, we'll have inflation. So they're talking out of two sides of their mouth. On the one side, they're sitting there saying, we've got to get layoffs. We've got to raise interest rates. We've got to, we've got to fix this inflation problem. And on the other hand, they're saying that we just hired 500,000 people. Well, first things first, the two cannot be mutually the same, right? Number one, the 500,000 is going to be actually revised downward. It did not come anywhere near that. Number two, the types of jobs were in the hospitality and temp type work. Okay, We're not talking about like real good jobs here. And we're also talking about, quite frankly, a lot of gig work, a lot of pump work, a lot of people getting second jobs. And you start asking yourself, where did 500,000 people suddenly get hired? Where did this all happen? Where were they? Why, why weren't we screaming about 500,000 people being unemployed? I mean, if that's the case, I mean, it's the idea of the way that they've laid this out is absolutely brutal. And, and they're going to celebrate tonight. They're going to literally celebrate it. We should be in recession right now. We're not in recession right now, save for the fact that the stinking Federal Reserve raised interest rates to pump money in through the rich to enact the Reaganism that I said earlier. This little bit of trickle down that they're allowing to happen to filter through the economy is the only thing keeping it going because they're steady, busy, cut and spending. They've just now said that they're going to go ahead and end the COVID support, which is going to hurt people even more. The student debt is nowhere near fixed. That's coming up in five minutes. It's just going to be right around the corner. There's so much pressure coming down, and all the work that's coming out of there is literally crap jobs, hospitality jobs, temp jobs, and gig work. And the people don't have health care. They don't have actual benefits. A lot of people are literally living hand to mouth. I think it's important that we call these people out for this. This is a lie. And it's, it's going to be awful because you're going to watch people literally celebrating this Bukaki theater. It's just bullshit. It's complete crap shoot, right? They're going to be sitting there celebrating this. And people that you know, I know, activists in the street, people that are homeless are going to be sitting there. What the hell kind of world are they talking about? Who are they talking about? 
who the hell are they talking about? But 500,000 jobs is going to be revised downward. So we're on the same page. I mean, don't you want, I, are you saying you want Republicans to win? Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, I, I, I think that's what the vote blue sycophant would say to what I just said. Well, uh, you, I, the reality is, is that this is a big duopoly shit show. And, and the fact is, is that they are neither one of them are actively trying to help people because that's not their job. We want it to be their job. We keep thinking it'll be their job, but their job is to tend to wealth. And that's what they're going to do. And so anything that you hear tonight is literally point blank a lie. It's, it's like, holy shit, you're literally lying to everyone and everyone's like eating it up. I hope people can resist. But anyway, well, Zay, well, it's good to talk with you. Bonsoir, Pierre. I got to go. You guys have a good one. Thank you, you so much come, for you having me. You got to come back on the show soon. Our conversation. Invite must be me, brother. Just remember, my sweet spot is not with my kids. <laughs> All right, gang. Have a good one. Zay, I'll good luck tonight with the State of the Union. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you. All right, Peter. You want to um, tell everyone where they can find you and uh, what yes. you guys got coming up over there at Generational Change? Well, Generational Change with a J. And we live stream Monday and Wednesday evenings at 9 p.m. We are flexible for people like yourself and Steve, if necessary. Uh, but that's generally when we go live, where our, mes our message and mission is to transform politics into service. I was the congressional campaign manager for Jen Perlman, who ran against Debbie Wasserman Schultz in the 2020 Democratic primary in Broward County, Florida. Uh, we continue to do nonprofit work and do a podcast locally. Uh, we have uh, tentatively, but we are supposed to have State Senator Chevron Jones as our primary guest tomorrow night. Uh, we have a lot of great guests coming up, including a panel for Workers Strike Back. Uh, we are also going to be talking with uh, David Arquette and David uh, Midthunder, uh, the two main stars of the newest uh, documentary on sacred ground. Uh, you know, we get a lot of great guests. We have a lot of relevant topics that we like to talk about. But again, transforming politics into service is what it's all about. That's why we're huge advocates for labor. Uh, that's why we do what we do. Um, you know, we know that there's a lot of uh, major issues that are going on right now, and it's very easy to get distracted going in one direction or the other. But I think if we get very concise about what our mission is, and, and in my opinion, that mission should be uh, an, an unbreakable labor movement, I think that that's going to be how we grow this thing out to, uh, to a very powerful place where we can actually make change. Well, awesome. I agree. Um, that sounds like uh, some interesting interviews coming up that you've got. And uh, guys are always, uh, always got it going on over there. Um, and I appreciate that oftentimes, uh, similar to us, you guys will interview local candidates and talk about what's going on at the state level and uh, about policy as well. So go check out genera Generational Change um, on YouTube with a J. And this is Peter Hager. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. We appreciate it. And hope question. to see you again. And bye, Bill Clinton. Bye. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's see. We do have a few more things to um, cover. We have a really important update about Cop City, and I definitely want to get to that before we close out. Um, do you care to call and pull up the article um, regarding Cop City? Thank you so much. Um, one thing that I've noticed is that uh, the mainstream media are now referring to 
the Cop City Complex as a training center. So um, when they say training center, that is what individuals are talking about. So training center permit was um, challenged by its own review committee member and another committee member quit over Tortuguita's murder. Tortuguita was a in, in Cop City in Atlanta. It For those of you who are unaware or may not have been following this. Um, oh, you could keep it up. You could keep it up. Uh, for those of you that um, are have not been following this, it is a massive $80 million project being built on indigenous land in Atlanta, Georgia, funded by corporations such as Home Depot um, and there are several others. I am drawing a blank right now. Home Depot just stuck out to me. But there's about 14 major corporations that are funding um, this massive sprawling complex that will hyper-militarize the police that, has, that includes a helipad that will be training police from all across the country. And there has been a lot of uh, opposition to the expansion of the police military complex in Atlanta, the pollution that it could create on this indigenous land, which had already had a um, had a prison system on it before, an indentured prison system. So the land was already polluted for runoff, drainage. There, there were already lots of problems. And as I had said, it was once protected native land. So what's going on here right now currently is that we're seeing some pushback. We had seen before the city council voted on this, even though they had received thousands of complaints from um, Atlantean citizens regarding the citizens of Atlanta regarding this project. So here it reads, Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens and DeKalb CEO Michael Thurmond just days ago, publicly praised the Project Community Stakeholder Advisory Committee as ensuring ongoing citizen input into the controversial plan, with, Thurm with Thurman claiming it was speaking truth to power. Neither said that one citizen had already quit and did not see the other's members' rebuke coming in the form of an appeal. So they acted like, oh, we didn't see this coming. Uh, the, the mayor acted like they were, uh, you know, blindsided by what happened, even though there's been massive opposition to this build from the beginning. CSAC member Amy Taylor filed an appeal on February 6th, so just yesterday, with the DeKalb County Zoning Board of Appeal. The appeal claims the county improperly issued its land grant because the project would violate a state limit on sediment runoff and because the lease gives an inaccurately large number for the amount of green space set aside. So it's saying the appeal is around the fact that there's more green space that's going to be torn down than they had initially reported. And that the sediment runoff will cause more pollution that was not considered in the initial grant of the land. Meanwhile, another member, Nicole Maduro, quit on January 18th 
the day that the police killed Tortuguita Tehran, Tortuguita Tehran was a protester um, for months, um, almost a year. Protesters have been um, protesting, living in trees, quite literally, in the forest, protect the forest against this uh, expansion and this massive police center. On uh, mid-January, Tortuguita was murdered by police, um, who the police claim that Tortuguita, Tortuguita allegedly shot and wounded a state trooper during a raid of civil disobedience of campers on the site. But no body cam footage has been made available. No... Um, other than police reports, and we know how police reports go in these situations, nothing has really been um, clear to us, as well as seven protesters arrested as domestic terrorists for insane things that's, that status quo has already covered um, based on expansions in the DSA that uh, further the categorization of um, domestic terrorism into areas that, you know, on the face appear very unconstitutional. So what we're seeing is that, you know, the permit appeal may very well slow up the building of this site. Public pressure works and public pressure can make a difference. And one of the things that can be done right now is for folks to stay informed about what's going on at Cop City. We are at status quo trying to send some more folks on the ground to cover what's happening, maybe interview some of these council members, find out, you know, the details about the permitting. Um, so if you can, please go to um, status coup slash donate to help us um, be able to fund some more on the ground work. If you guys check out the videos that we already have published two weeks ago, Tina Desiree Berg was on the ground in Cop City for four days. She spoke to protesters who were there the day that Tortuguita was killed. She spoke to organizers that had been organizing the um, the pushback prior to the vote within the city council for the grants, for the land grants. So um, there's a lot of information chalked in there as well as coverage of protest in uh, Atlanta the weekend after Tortuguita was killed. A new report has broken and further reporting will be coming out from status quo as well as an update on um, the on a uh, press conference following the uh, autopsy for Tortuguita yesterday. Just this morning, it was announced that Tortuguita had been shot 13 times, potentially by multiple police. This is still being investigated and further reporting will be coming from uh, status quo regarding what is going on in, uh, in Cop City, what's happening in Atlanta. And as I had said, uh, if you can donate um, anything today, it would really help status slash donate because it does cost money to get uh, our reporters down on the ground. But there is no... Uh, replacement for talking to the people in the communities that are impacted by um, things like are happening in Atlanta right now with Cop City as uh, developments continue to unfold almost daily.
So let's see if you want to throw back up the uh, Chiron there, Colin, for the next uh, for the next topic. Thank you. I think we covered Biden's economy. <laughs> I feel like Grumbine uh, got most of that in. But tonight, maybe take some of the stuff that Grum Grumbine had pointed out with um, the falsehoods within the jobs report, you know, um, and tackling where it looks like right now in Biden's economy. Some of the things that um, Jordan has pointed out to us, um, if you could pull up the NBC News article, up to 4 million people may be out of work due to long COVID. Long COVID may be keeping three to four million people out of work, research suggests. A report published by, according to a report published by the Brookings Institute this week, in lost wages that could add up to at least 170 billion per year, the report says. The research looked at people who worked full-time or the equivalent of full-time hours before they got long COVID and estimated 12 million people in the U.S., according to federal data. And what we're looking at here is whether or not, in a question that you need to ask yourself tonight, is Biden going to address the job losses? Are they going to be simply looking at the job reports that come from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, which do not track long-term job loss? The Labor and Statistics stops tracking job loss at, uh, at six months. So we don't really know the impacts of job loss. Also, when we hear X amount of jobs created, we have to keep in mind that we're not being told the pay, the frequency. Are these part-time jobs? Are the is this gig work? Are these temp positions? What type of work is it? You know, and you won't hear any breakdown more than likely of how many union jobs were created. I'd be very surprised to hear that. Um, how many jobs with benefits were created? How many jobs over the median income of fifty-four thousand dollars a year, which for a lot of people is is poverty level. You won't be hearing any of that tonight. I would be surprised, but those are things to uh, look out for um, tonight. Well, thank you guys so much for um, joining and appreciate each and every one of you. So awesome, amazing people. Uh, Michael Kapoor, Douglas Greenbergs, Tony Dallas, We've got uh, some great folks always in the chat. Carpe DM, Dave D, Ray J, Henry, Thomas, Carne Verde. <laughs> Wanted to do some shout outs um, today. We really appreciate all of you guys. Aggravated Progressive, I'm me. Y'all keep us going. Like, share, um, subscribe if you haven't. And hi, Humorous. Haven't seen you in a while. It's so great to see you back. Uh, thank you guys all so much for joining. Also hop on to our status coup. Um, our status coup um, YouTube to check out some videos that we have rolling daily interviews and other content. Thank you guys. See y'all soon.